Hey, I'm Lex Vaughn, founder and editor of The Needling, Seattle's only real fake news. And this is The Needling Update, a weekly podcast where we're going to follow up on a few of the stories we reported on recently. We're also going to catch up with some of Seattle's favorite people to talk about a lot of the issues that inspire so much of our intrepid real fake news reporting here at The Needling. This week, we're talking to Cynthia Brothers, the amazing woman behind Vanishing Seattle. Her reporting and crowdsourced info on the Vanishing Seattle Instagram account keeps us updated on what businesses and buildings are coming and going as the city quickly grows and changes, sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. Before we get into that conversation, though, we wanted to do a quick check-in with the iconic Starbucks mermaid that the corporate coffee giant released back in the Puget Sound this week to celebrate Women's History Month. So, how are you doing, Mermaid? Oh, just having the best time of my life. I mean, don't get me wrong, free coffee's great, but have you ever sunk in a bald billionaire's mega yacht? It's the best. (laughs) We heard about that. Did you really take down Jeff Bezos? Look, I'm not gonna name names. All I know is I've already taken two down to Davy Jones's locker, and now I'm headed off to my first spring break in the Mediterranean to take down a few Russian oligarch yachts. So, yeah, just really looking forward to blowing off some steam after decades of captivity. What else do you have planned? Like, I mean, you were in captivity at Starbucks for a long time. You must want to just, like, kick back for a while. Oh, definitely. I've already caught up a little with my friends in J-Pod. My old bestie, Heishka, just had a baby, and I kind of want to just hang with them for a little bit. It's been a minute. Also, my old flame, the Kraken, just slipped into my DMs, too. So, yeah, I'm loving just getting back out there on my mermaid shit. You seem so upbeat. Any hurt feelings towards Starbucks? Look, I'm just glad to be out of there. I'm glad they released me for Women's History Month. But if they really wanted to celebrate women's history, what they should really be doing is stopping sabotaging their workers' rights to unionize and negotiate for fair pay and working conditions. Personally, offering me a good bra or just any bra at any point would have been nice, but that's just me. Well, thanks for the update, Mermaid. And we look forward to hearing more about you taking down Roman Abramovich's mega yacht. Oh my gosh, I want that to be a surprise. Okay, bye! Welcome to the Needling Update, Cynthia Brothers of Vanishing Seattle. We're happy to have you. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, it, it means a lot to me to have you, you know, on our one of our first podcasts because Vanishing Seattle, you know, it's like already, it's, you know, it's like an institution. It's been beloved um, for a long time here in Seattle, but like you guys gave us like our first boost you know, uh, as the needling. So we're, we're like really indebted to you. (laughs) (laughs) There, there was, there was one day in like late 2018, I think we'd only been up for like a month or two. And, um, like I went in to get coffee with someone. And by the time I walked out, you guys had posted this lovely little like uh, tribute to this new satire website in Seattle. And, um, like we already had like 500 new followers and we'd only had like 500 before that so it like literally doubled while I was having like lunch or something (laughs) (laughs) and just kept on going overnight and that was you know so we 
we have a lot to thank you for. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. That's, yeah, super generous of you to say. And I, yeah, love to hear that it um, had like a positive um, impact on your following. But, you know, I don't think you would have um, had that much of a jump in followers if, you know, your content wasn't amazing, which is, you know, why I wanted to um, kind of spread the word um, about yeah. it in the first place. So, yeah. Well, I, that's what I love about uh, what you do, too, is like, I mean, Vanishing Seattle, you're documenting you know, things that are vanishing, but you're also kind of like advocating for things that you don't want to see vanish. <laughs> right? Yeah, there's kind of, you know, two sides of the coin. <laughs> yeah. So um, I want to get, you know, a little bit more like of your backstory and like, what what was your first boost, you know, as Vanishing Seattle? Like when when you first started, like it started on Instagram, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when you first started um, that account on Instagram, like who who were you envisioning the audience to be, and how big did you think this was gonna get? Like what what did you think Vanishing Seattle was gonna be in the very beginning? Yeah. Um... Well, I'm going to be honest, I didn't really have much of a plan <laughs> or like a vision <laughs> about it. I just kind of um, did it, I don't want to say impulsively, because I feel like the um, kind of feelings that inspired it and the experiences and the observation had been like happening for quite a while. And, you know, I think the stuff that's kind of touched upon in Vanishing Seattle, gentrification, displacement, a changing city, like none of that stuff is new. Um Mm-hmm. But with, um, you know, just like the increase in um, capital flowing here and the growth of tech and just a bunch of other factors, it feels like um, stuff vanishing and being displaced and disappearing was um, just happening at like a faster, like a noticeably faster rate. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I made my first post in... 2016 and I think what inspired it was like the closing of yet another um what I see is like a local landmark um Mm -hmm. that was was the first one yes it was um Inai's Asian Pacific Cuisine in North Beacon Hill and you know they had to close for um typical reasons you know being priced out gentrification and um one of my friends also worked there as a server and a drag performer Natasha Manila and had like grown this huge following and um you know you would go there and it would be this like amazing cross-section of the queer community and the filipino and asian american community and the beacon hill community um and so i went there on their very last night uh which happened to be a friday when natasha would perform and it was just um yeah powerful and defiant and just like packed you know, with everyone who loved Atasha and Inez and Uncle Ernie, the owner. And she did this, like, incredible performance of Effie's song from Dreamgirls. And I'm telling you, I'm not going. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, and that was kind of the, the you know, m- event, I guess, that um, inspired me to just, like, grab the Vanishing Seattle handle on Instagram and Facebook and you know, take a clip from that and share it, just kind of put it out in the world. Cause to me, it just felt like such a, um, yeah, just such like a, 
awesome, incredible, unique space and also like a um, fucking tragedy kind of curse. <laughs> mm, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Come on, we're the needling. You All right. Us, right? <laughs> yes, I should have known. I, you know... I know there's there's plenty of uh, you know readers that are like, can you just cuss less? And I'm like, I'm sorry. No. Oh, that's funny. I've actually gotten emails from time to time, like yeah, about dropping the occasional f bomb in my captions, and some apparently some people don't like that. It, that's the thing that they it, focus on. <laughs> that is such an interesting thing to me about Seattle. This is like supposedly. You know, like, just one of the most liberal, progressive, literally one of the most atheist, like, cities, not just in the country, but probably the world. And it's astounding to me how many people are offended by curse words here. Mm-hmm. It's like, have you seen the internet? Yeah. <laughs> you know it's at the fingertips of every six-year-old right now? Uh-huh. Yep. Get over it. Like, <laughs> the F word is nothing. <laughs> yeah. Usually I feel like maybe they're upset about something else and they're kind of yeah. like using that as a, a cover. Like, oh, but swearing, yeah. like, yeah, you know, <laughs> you're satirizing these people... things that are making me upset, but, you know, I'm going to focus on the cussing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or it's just, you know, a, a piece of etiquette they can't quite get over. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, anyway. Um, so what. Like, if you could bring one business back to life, I know it's, like, there's a lot out there. There's a lot. But, like, what what springs to mind right now, if you could resurrect any one business, you know, that you've covered in the last, you know, few years, which one do you think you'd bring back? Oh, yeah. That's a tough one, Lex. <laughs> I mean, there I are know, so many, but it's a great question. All, yeah, I'll just go with kind one of... that's personal, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, there's like a couple that are top of mind because they're relatively recent and also because, um, yeah, they're awesome. Not just to me, but I think really meaningful to a lot of people. Um, well, maybe I'll give a two-part answer. <laughs> um, the first one that comes to mind for like, uh, in so many cases, is Bush Garden like the original Bush Garden. And I feel like I may be a little bit cheating on this answer because Bush is going to um, operate again in a new oh, space. Good. Yeah, in um, Uncle Bob's place, like a couple blocks down in the ID. Hmm. But there's still like this ongoing, um, you know, it's just like it's going to be a different space. And the original space was mm-hmm. incredible and amazing. Um, it had, you know, not just in the... Um, like 60s handmade, hand sculpted interior, but also just I think all the energy it soaked up um, over the decades. And then that building, you know, like it got bought by a developer and, you know, they want to tear it down and build like a 17 story luxury apartment building. Mm. And so there's been a battle to still try and save and preserve that space. Um, even if like Bush Garden has like another place to go to. Like, could there be another type of bush garden? Could there be, I think the the fight is for having an alternative to like a yeah. luxury apartment building there. It's It would be to have um, something that's serving community. So like low yeah. income, truly affordable housing, um, community space. Uh, yeah. So that one's kind of like a <laughs> mixed bag. Yeah. Um, but the other one that came to mind that um, I hope will resurface, um, and I think the owner has been looking for a new place, um, but I don't think there's anything definite yet, is Rebar. Oh, yeah. God, I was so sad that one closed. Yeah, that, that one hurt. 
Yes. Yeah. And, you know, it's just been like sitting there as far as I know, which I feel like you see a lot of times. Frustrating when they just sit there. It's like you. Why did you have to kick them out? You know, when you did, if it's just going to sit there. Yeah. Or it's like, isn't it better to like get a little rent? Like probably not as much as the landlord would want than just to have it sitting empty. But I guess there's some sort of like tax break around that too mm. so that's why you see so many oh. empty like okay. retail spaces um but uh yeah I mean that place had been around and it was within months I think of celebrating their 30th anniversary yeah and I went to one of I think they had like a week long of celebrations and I went to um one of those and it was just you know kind of reinforced everything um magical and um kind of them embracing their own identity as being like this fringy <laughs> kind yeah, of misfit I, I come as you are art the space weird shows they had there yes <laughs> yeah they were all so weird and I was like oh god where's that stuff gonna happen now I know yeah. right and successfully weird yeah. like you know Dina Martina um I think got her start there or used to have a show there before moving on to bigger mm-hmm. venues and touring um Hedwig um yeah. a lot of like you know, performers in Seattle, uh, Jinx Monsoon, um, Bacon mm-hmm. Strip um, got its start mm-hmm. there, which has been like the longest running mm-hmm. um, drag show, I think, in the city. So, so I mean, it was just such like a nurturing home for so yeah. many artists and the, you know, yeah. weirdos who love them. So <laughs> yeah. just a very kind of like uh, quintessential, like only in Seattle spot to me. Yeah. So I hope, I'd yeah. i put that at the top of my list of mm-hmm. yeah, what what I miss too. Um, Hopefully they'll come back so, and then you and me can go yeah. go party. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, maybe it wasn't so bad to take a break during the pandemic. It's like, what else were you going to do? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I'm curious. Um, what, is there any fake news out there about vanishing Seattle and what you do? Like any uh, inaccurate kind of perceptions about, you know, what you guys do? You know, when you report on businesses that are closing? Yeah, I think there's a several. <laughs> um, maybe I'll start with like the most kind of perplexing yet straightforward one is that for some reason a lot of people assume that I'm a man. <laughs> mm, I have no idea what that's like. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes, I feel like we've talked about this before <laughs> quite a few times. And, a woman. um, yeah. <laughs> so either, you know, people will message me, you know, like dude or bro or guy and stuff. And, you know, just kind of like assuming my gender and like maybe it's just a colloquialism, maybe not. <laughs> or I'll meet people in person who they'll, you know, realize um, that I'm banishing Seattle and be like, whoa, like, didn't, you know, know that yeah. you were a lady or whatever. <laughs> so yeah. I think maybe it's just people assume that, I don't know, things that they can't like physically confirm is just going to be like the default around what we're socialized yeah. towards. So yeah. I don't really know. It's just kind of, it's an interesting thing. And sometimes I do kind of, there's a small piece of me that's like, hee hee, like I kind of like delight and like <laughs> catching oh, yeah. people by surprise. <laughs> I have done the same thing <laughs> to a lot of people where, I mean, you know, I, part of what I like about my name Lex is like, I, it's like kind of androgynous. So I can mm. just throw that, that out there. And a lot of times people don't know that I'm, you know, a woman until they meet me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, I've, I've had some interesting reactions when people are like, what, you, you're running. I'm like, yeah, what, 
what's flipping you out? <laughs> yeah. You don't write about just, romance and relationships. <laughs> it's like, I'm just like, could you go home and maybe reflect a little bit on why you were so surprised when yeah. I was writing this? Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, um, any other kind of like misperceptions? Of yeah. I mean, I think that um, sometimes people will think or kind of like, I don't know, make this like claim or accusation that um, myself or like the account are just all about like opposing change, just like hands, like end of story, <laughs> yeah. just like against change and just like put a tarp over it and freeze it in amber, <laughs> you know, and um, yeah, yeah. Nothing is allowed to change. Ever. No, never. <laughs> no more. Yeah, we don't need any more public transit. Um, yeah, <laughs> we don't need more affordable housing. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Yeah, I mean, totally. <laughs> I hate hate all that stuff. <laughs> um, so yeah, and it's kind of like, do you read the, you know, whatever? So people mm. can think whatever they want. Um, but I mean, for me, it's kind of like, um, you know, like change is not neutral it's like sure yeah Yeah. i'm totally for change i'm for new things but like what is the nature of that like who is it serving and who is it excluding um and so it's like i mean i I, yeah i think i do kind of want to challenge people's assumptions around what progress is and what that looks like um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and especially if i post something that has to do um at all with like something new that's being built or like a new development like this business is closing because they're I mean basically getting displaced by this like new Mm -hmm. development that's coming in or this house is getting torn down for this new development I mean that's kind of like part of this overall picture of a changing Mm -hmm. landscape and I'm not necessarily going to like editorialize on a lot of those things like the stuff that I post might just be like this is what's here and this is like literally what it says on the land use yeah. action sign of like what's coming yeah, you're like i didn't make this up yeah, yeah i mean it's just kind of like, just a like fact. this is a fact <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like, like i'm just saying this is what's happening yeah it's all in the public record <laughs> you know um and so, yeah it'll just be very much like oh you can't keep stuff the same forever why are you so against like change or development and it's like I, there's plenty of developments that i personally am in support of or have you know organize with other groups in support of that are like have low-income housing um so it's like i mean in my mind i feel like there's quite a big difference between like you know luxury housing that (laughs) only a pretty specific segment of our city is going to be able to afford versus everyone else so you know and i think there's a space there for people to have discussion and that's fine, but it's just interesting how it kind of gets reduced to this thing of like, you just don't like change. And it's like, well, yeah. you know, I also post like on not banishing, I post on like new businesses to support. Um, so for me, it's not necessarily about like this dividing line between old and new or staying the same and changing. Mm-hmm. It's like, are we thinking about the conditions that enable us to? change as a city but still maintain the things that yeah. makes a city healthy and dynamic and diverse and equitable um you got to yeah. look at like what kind of change is actually going on here so 
Yeah. Yeah. How is this all feeding into, you know, a community we can be proud of living in? Yeah. And um, isn't um, excluding, you know, too many people who just, you know, can't afford to live here anymore. Um, yeah. And uh, let's just have a conversation <laughs> about it, you know? Yeah. yeah. And it's like, I, you know, personally, it's like, yeah, I, I'm not against um, all new developments either because it's like you don't want to be San Francisco where they just notoriously didn't build anything. And it mm-hmm. was, you know, you want, you know, a, a, a you know housing and rental crisis. I mean, that that's really bad if you're just not building any extra housing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's how you do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just moved uh, last year because uh, my my place that I lived in for a couple of years is getting demoed. Mm. And mm-hmm. um, it was like an old, cute building. But yeah, OK, it's, it's got to go. Um, did the developer need to charge me a cleaning fee on my way out? What? <laughs> it's like it's literally getting demoed. Bogus. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Dollar cleaning fee. I'm like, hmm, really? Nice. Very <laughs> real classy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we could do without that. <laughs> yeah. I don't think anyone needs that. On way out. Just yeah. A little extra kick in the ass. Mm-hmm, just on your way um, out. Yeah. yeah. And this is kind of connected to this, but I feel like there's this other related myth that like I don't know how supply and demand works and if only I had you know some white dude who works in the real estate industry slide up in my dms and explain to me how it works then (laughs) you know then oh there'd be no need for me to like post it all so it's it's interesting and it's um I mean it's like I have a master's degree in what was essentially like a super heavy like economic based program you know Hmm. so it's like i know how the theory works i just don't i think it's bullshit somewhat of a nerd yeah 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 (laughs) i mean i'm not an expert but it's like i can recognize neoliberal trickle down (laughs) bullshit theories of economics you know so it's just like um yeah and i'm sure you know maybe after this podcast i'll even get some more (laughs) dudes you know to get telling me about you know supply and demand 101 which i you know, obviously yeah. thoroughly enjoy and <laughs> invite around the clock. Uh, as as Seattle continues to evolve, you know, as every city continues to do in this country, um, is there anything that, any new thing that you think the city could use? You know, it's like there are some things that are, like, vanishing. Um, uh, is there anything that you kind of see as, like, a very welcome, like, oh, we could use more of that? you know, and maybe less of this? Or do you, do you just kind of like, kind of hold steady in that kind of objective place where you're like, hey, I'm just documenting what's coming, what's going? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think we definitely could use more, um, like some like really awesome community-driven success stories, uh, like mm-hmm. Africa Town, like Queer the Land. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think more of that, <laughs> like more resourcing for that instead of just like uh, yeah. putting it in the hands of like investors and speculators and like corporations and thinking that and, cor- you know, yeah, <laughs> philanthropists yeah. and, you know, thinking that's going to solve all the problems. It's, um, 
you know, and I think there's been plenty of instances too where you have, um, yeah, really creative, innovative um, organizers and community-based groups that will um, create their own solutions and the city kind of like swoops in and takes credit. (laughs) But also the city should be resourcing it more, you know, (laughs) and scaling it. So, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a very like Seattle local government thing to do, but, you know, uh, I think like the recognition and support, at least if like that's there, um, mm-hmm. as opposed that's to often like how it works. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, so more of that. Uh, I mean, yeah, I think we have a lot of like knowledge and um, resources and just like you know brilliance here already, and like hopefully we just don't gentrify all that out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah, things are speeding up, so it's like. This is stuff that needs to get taken seriously. Mm-hmm. Except, um, okay. So I am going to read you three headlines. Ooh. Two are real, and one is fake. I want you to figure it out. These aren't satirical. Okay. But, you know, this is just a test of your your media literacy and how much <laughs> you're addicted to the your newsfeed. <laughs> I guess. Okay. Can't wait. Okay, so stuck in purgatory, Seattle Mazda drivers can't change radio dial. That's that's one. Number two, Bellevue passes Manhattan housing prices. And number three, mayor creates any specific plan for addressing homelessness. So which one is I'm the fake one? I'm probably going to cut this. <laughs> <laughs> Was it too easy? <laughs> I thought this was supposed to be a headlines challenge, Lex. I, I know that wasn't. I, okay. but, but I really like this. I, but I came up with that at the last minute. No, I'm so enjoying this. This is like, yeah, so I think this might be my favorite part yet. So should, should I guess? Yeah. Which one is it, Cynthia? I'm going to take a stab in the dark here and go with mm-hmm. door number three. Whoa. Did you I win? on top of it. <laughs> that is correct. Although I wish that they were all, I wish they were all fake. Yeah. <laughs> or at least the last yeah. two. Yeah. Or wait. Yeah. yeah which, which begs Definitely the, the second one. <laughs> yeah. Which, which, uh, it doesn't have to be, you know, anything recent or, you know, um, whatever, but. Uh, what what real Seattle news item do you wish was fake? Is there anything that's top of mind? Yeah. And when I first heard this, I, like, kind of thought it was a joke and then, mm-hmm. like, really wished it was a joke. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the one about um, Amazon doubling its base pay for their yeah. um, professional and corporate workers mm-hmm. to yeah. 350000 Um I yeah. yeah, it's hard to even know like where to begin yeah. <laughs> with that one. It's just yeah. so um, obscene to me. Actually, yeah. that's a yeah. That was definitely a jaw drop. Where it's like we're already you know in a squeeze economically here. You know, if you're not a tech worker, yeah. And then with that added on top of it, it's like oh wow. Like, yeah, it's, that shit's really about to go down now. Like this is worrisome um, yeah totally and really needs to be taken seriously because it's like we already have huge 
yeah, income inequality issues here mm-hmm. and affordable housing issues here. And that is just gasoline on the fire. It's like, yeah. Oh. It's just, I, I mean, I think it kind of is indicative of like Amazon's whole attitude as like being a corporate citizen. Yeah. Um, aside from, you know, lobbying power and <laughs> influencing policy as a corporate citizen because corporate corporations are people. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But just, it's, you know, a whole thing where it's like not really thinking about the impact on the collective or on the community from which they are profiting. Um, I think you can just like throw that in the very long list of like the many unethical (laughs) ways in which they operate and reap their profit, whether it's like racial profiling and surveillance and like building the infrastructure to like deport immigrants, whether it's um, their treatment of their warehouse workers who, by the way, like, are they getting a raise? Like, I didn't hear. Like, I Googled. Oh, of course not. Yeah, I was like, is I was like, Amazon, pay raise, warehouse workers, and like. Yeah, are they going to get comfortable breaks and not have to. Pee in know, a bottle. There, I mean, honestly, it seems like it's pretty typical no matter where you're working in Amazon, whether you're in the warehouse or, you know, getting a comfortable salary. Uh, the way they treat their employees. Yeah pretty awful yeah like across Um, the board is not great right but especially it's just like seems like such a yeah i just don't understand how it just seems so morally reprehensible to just like do nothing for the warehouse workers and not only that just like all the millions of dollars they poured into union busting yeah um and they're trying to like uh, get better pay for themselves um and I also but think let's about treat them with kid gloves. We don't yeah. want to tax them too hard, right? At all. Oh no! Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and when I heard his feelings, or you know, Bezos's ability to like, you know, build the biggest yacht in the world, or <laughs> bla- blast off into outer his... space, <laughs> or please go what, and what stay if... there. <laughs> but what if he takes his Bezos balls and moves it to Kansas? Yeah. Like, what if he breaks up with us? I know. Like, oh my lord. Like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Totally an abusive relationship. Um, Oh, yeah. Definitely. (laughs) And it also makes me think of, like, just the impact of, um, yeah, like, like having those types of, like, wages out there and then kind of the, I don't know, like, the social impact of, like, is driving more people to work in tech and work for Amazon. Like, I already know, I already have people in my life that have, like, kind of felt this pressure to and have um kind of like abandoned their passions or their Mm -hmm. careers or their day jobs because they feel like it's just not sustainable like they're like okay I guess I'm gonna learn coding now because that's like the only way they can like pay their bills and make rent and I remember there was like this really controversial uh metro bus sign this, this was, it almost feels like cute at this point. It was like, I don't know, maybe around five or six years ago, if not more, where it was like, can't afford a house in Seattle? Like, become a coder. Like, sign up for this coding boot camp. And people were like, you know, appropriately offended by that. But it's like, if, if everyone works in tech, like, who is going to, like, we need teachers and artists and social workers and just like, you know, what is going to make like a healthy functioning city? But yeah. it's like we, they can't afford service workers who like already can't afford to to live here. And then now you have people that are going to have twice as much buying power to like, yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah, I you know, we we obviously make a lot of jokes about Amazon at the Needling. Yeah, some of my um, favorites. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
But, you know, as an editor, like, I, I try to be sympathetic or a little bit mindful of people who work there. You know, it's like I don't want to conflate the corporation with everybody who works for it. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, I mean, yeah, Amazon is so big. Just growing, you know, as this giant corporation that it's like, are we all going to have to work for them at some point? Yeah, that's like, the, that I think that's the going? end game. Because... Because it kind of looks like it, you know, at least, you know, sometimes, you know, when you're you're here in a place like Seattle, it seems like, you know, I it, it's hard to understand how you would ever own a home or, you know, even continuing, you know, renting like a nice place here, you know, unless you're working for a, a giant, you know, corporation like that here. So it's like, I, I understand the dilemma of people, you know, when they're considering where they're going to work. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think we should, you know, all have options. (laughs) Unfortunately, capitalism Mm -hmm. drives us to, Mm -hmm. I don't know, do things that, um, I don't know, maybe we otherwise wouldn't. And, you know, also there's, there's a lot of, um, employees of Amazon who have exerted upwards pressure, you know, to try and reform it, to try and pressure them to have better environmental policies, you know, other practices. So, yeah, I think that yeah. can be like one really effective way at um, making change. So I totally agree about like the employees like not being a monolith and also like not mm-hmm. conflating it um, with Amazon. Uh, yeah, but sometimes it does seem like is, yeah, is the end game for like all of us to like work at Amazon, shop at the Amazon Fresh, like you know some like old timey <laughs> mining town where it's like live in you know their <laughs> their like, worker barracks and like shop in the store where the prices are set by the boss <laughs> like where's yeah. all this going <laughs> yeah i mean i think a lot of tech workers know more you know know better than anyone where this is all headed they're like it ain't good like mm. there needs to be mitigation uh-huh. what's about to happen you know um there there was a an amazon i think it i think he worked for amazon um he took uh one of our uh, real fake uh newsroom writing workshops and I asked him, like, do we go too hard on, like, the tech bros and, you know, Amazon? And, you know, like, I've, I've asked, you know, people like him and a couple others. And they're like, oh, no, no, go all in on it. Because <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, even they get it. He's they're like, seal like, of approval. You know, I get it. You know, like, there's some big issues here. Um, yeah. Um, okay. So uh, I have another uh, big question for you. Um while we're honored to have you here on the Needling Update, um, you know, you can't come on our podcast without properly worshiping us. So <laughs> what's what's your favorite Needling headline and what does it say about you? Yeah, I mean, yeah, as it should be. I mean, I think <laughs> everyone who comes on here, you know, needs to sing the praises of the, of the Needling mm-hmm. and they're mm-hmm. well-deserved. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, honestly, it's hard for me to pick just one. I feel like there's so many, so many like delightful ones that just like make me, um, cackle and, um, yeah, warm the cockles of my heart. Uh, (laughs) I do have, I think, a particular appreciation for the Amazon ones. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and I I feel like there's urgent ones just like making fun of Bezos and, um, yeah, just the whole like world domination mindset. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. There was one uh, like the NFTs, like yeah. 
Amazon uh, offering NFTs homes to the unhoused. Yeah. I love that one. <laughs> um, I feel like it just like, I mean, this is what I like about the headlines and the articles are able to like pull upon these different strands mm-hmm. of like absurdity, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And there's this other one too, which I think like was, um, had a lot of like tons of comments. Um, and I like the interaction part of it was uh, it was that one about the the man who he sh- he like wanted to say like fuck you to any bookstores even more oh, than like yeah. ordering his books from Amazon online so he like made a special trip to go to the in yeah. real life you know Amazon bookstore at U Village um yeah I thought that was hilarious and I think didn't a lot of people chime in with like oh well this is like the the indie bookstore that I support and these this is the one that I love which yeah I thought was yeah very well very well done um and like yeah anything that's just kind of like local institutions like the never-ending dicks line like <laughs> i feel like we've all been in that situation <laughs> like oh yeah. i was getting like the <laughs> the one where there's like someone who like ha- they've never seen a dicks before like don't know how the ordering works or um yeah or like ordering yeah. for like 17 other people who are you know unseen and um yeah I like those. And then the ones about Teslas, too, I find hilarious. <laughs> Just like people's obsession with their precious yeah. Teslas. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, part of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite parts of like posting our stories is all the engagement mm-hmm. and interaction. Yeah. Um, yeah, like on the indie store one, it was, yeah, it was really fun to, you know, have everyone give their shout out to their favorite indie bookstore mm-hmm. um you know if you can go to your favorite indie bookstore and, and buy a book you know in person that really helps you know keep a certain like spirit alive mm-hmm. you know, in seattle that we want to keep yeah you totally know, don't, don't don't give amazon more than it needs like you know if you can avoid it mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah that's my favorite part too is that is the audience engagement and then you know people will learn about new places like businesses that they haven't you know, longstanding or newer that they haven't been to and, you know, end up going yeah. there and supporting them. So, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a, I think that's one of my, you know, favorite parts on the day to day is just, yeah, people engaging and participating and like having conversations and sharing information with each other. We we get so many like Amazon headlines that it's like we have to like be really picky about them, you know, and like kind of like space them out enough so that it doesn't just become, you know, uh, we just, you know, hate Amazon account. Mm-hmm. Well, um, they're just giving you so much like rich fodder, you know, it's like I'm sure some of these yeah. headlines are going to write themselves. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll give a shout out to, uh, I think it's Overheard Amazon. Um, oh. I just want to get the handle right. Is that like Overheard um, in I New York? Them. Yeah, yeah, it's overheard Amazon. Oh, sh- and, wow. Um, yeah, that's a nonstop stream of making fun of Amazon. So, so is it like people that, who yeah. overhear it, who like overhear stuff working at yeah, or for it, Amazon or like on the street it, or? No, no, it's um, internal, basically. Okay. So a lot of these quotes are from people who work at Amazon. They're roasting the company that they work for. Nice. So. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to check that out. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Sweet the burn. Rebellion. A little glimpse. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So what does that say about you? That you don't like Amazon or you're you're skeptical of Amazon? 
Oh, um, <laughs> um, I mean, I feel that, uh, yeah, I think Amazon can do a lot better. I mean, I feel it's not yeah. even like, oops. uh, yeah, I mean, it's just hard to know where to start with that one. There's just like so many different angles around like just the impact that they've had that, um, I mean, I work in the immigrant justice movement for my day job, um, and, uh, you know, there's, like, a lot of groups that are working on um, tech and surveillance and, like, mm-hmm. the role that tech, including Amazon oh and Microsoft and, like, a lot of other companies and a lot of other investors have played in, like, um, profiting off of the misery of folks at the border and the, you know electronic surveillance of migrants and how with like the oncoming climate crisis it's just going to exacerbate that and that's like they're really stand up like profit even more and I feel like a lot I mean there's been some really great investigative journalism that has like exposed this stuff and like great advocacy there's also like immigrant rights groups who you know are challenging like the growing tech in places like Austin because it's gentrifying them out of their mm-hmm. neighborhoods so it's like if you would have asked me Um, when I first started working in this field, like, and what I, you know, thought immigrant rights would encapsulate, I wouldn't have thought, like, (laughs) you know, kind of like fighting big tech on that front would have been a part of that. But it's like their tentacles are just very, yeah, very, very long. And yeah. Um, And I think it's just funny, too. Like, it's like, there's, I mean, there's so much to skewer, because it's like, it is kind of ridiculous and offensive so that's why the way they can operate sometimes so I, that's why I just like love you know the way that you the way that y'all go, go about it yeah yeah um uh, so what what are you guys working on like lately do you have any new projects you're you're working on I saw that you had uh you guys have a series with like Seattle Channel don't you Yes. Um, so we did um, a first series of Vanishing Saddle short films, and that was completed in, oh my God, what is time? Last year or 2020? <laughs> <laughs> so, it's so hard to say uh, 2022, isn't it? It's like, really? Yeah. I know. 2021? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Terrifying. Um, yeah, so we released those, and... Um, uh, yeah, like on the website and through various, like, we did like one in-person event at Wanawari before the pandemic hit. Yeah, so 2020. And then transitioned to online and did like online events and um, film festivals and stuff like that. And then most recently, um, I filmed some new footage with Seattle Channel. And they had come a couple years ago to like film the Vanishing Seattle pop-up that was going, going down at Pike Place Market at eighth generation space. Um, yeah, it was like an exhibit slash pop-up. So they kind of incorporated some of that in there to create this kind of um, Vanishing Seattle Films Plus, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, folks, there's a link um, to that um, in my Instagram bio or on Seattle channel. Um, and then now we're in planning stages for the second series. So just talking to, oh, awesome. um, yeah, filmmakers and potential um subjects like community spots small businesses things like that to kind of embark upon our second series so yeah yeah it's been beautiful to see yeah where things have gone you from your instagram account to all all this great 
you know, storytelling collaboration with other people who want to kind of document what is, you know, beautiful about Seattle and what we want to preserve, you know, as we keep on going through all these difficult changes and trying to survive despite Mm -hmm. (laughs) Amazon. (laughs) Uh, Well, it was so nice to have you on here. Thank you so much um, for being on one of our first podcasts. (laughs) Yeah, thank you so much for, yeah, this was so fun to, um, yeah, I guess kind of be the guinea pig and, you know, I always love chopping (laughs) it up with you, Lex. So, um, yeah, thanks for like all the the work you're doing too it's just um it's been awesome to see the the growth of the needling and um it's uh yeah one of the joys of my day <laughs> is reading high those five. posts Woohoo! Just virtual high five thanks so much to cynthia for being on one of our first podcasts we also want to thank our starbucks mermaid slash local stand-up comic ariana romick She's also editor of the Foreigner blog, a satire website focused on the comedic side of being an immigrant, children of immigrants, and diaspora. Next month, a stand-up show she's hosting at the Crocodile's new comedy venue, The Hereafter, will raise money for refugee and immigrant aid organizations. That's on April 7th, uh, and you can find tickets to that on her socials at Ariana Romick and in this podcast episode show notes. And thanks to everyone who reads, shares, and now listens to The Needling. If you want to support us even more to help keep Seattle's only real fake news going, please join our Patreon. You'll get stickers added uh, to our Instagram post friends list for some behind-the-headlines content and get invited to patron-only events like our St. Patrick's Day Zoom hang this Thursday, March 17th. Make sure to tune in next week for a special report on the local opening of Portland-based artisanal Bitcoin business Hash and Moon. This is Lex Vaughn signing off for Seattle's only real fake news podcast, The Needling Update.